Welcome to another edition of Let's Watch a B-Movie. This is actually our 19th episode, Nick. Can you believe that? 19 episodes in the can. Yeah, and I just had a premonition that our 20th episodes were both going to die. Why do you have to have a premonition that's so negative? Are you speaking towards death or cancellation? Death. I thought you meant the end of our podcast. You mean the end of our lives. Yes. What the hell? And if it makes you feel better, there is a way to cheat it. We just have to watch the right movie first. Okay. Maybe we've done that with Final Destination because we're actually paying homage to the creator designer of this whole damn thing. Exactly. So let's hurry up, review this movie so we can figure out how we can not die. We need like a damn guest host to intervene and someone's got to jump in and save us. So and then it resets and then we die next week. Okay. If you haven't guessed it, we're doing Final Destination. A movie directed by James Wong, nonetheless. I did not know this until we watched it this time. I was hella surprised to see his name on the opening credit. I was not expecting the name. Granted, I already know Devin Sal was in it. I already know about of Ollie Larder and mm. Tony Todd. I did not know James Wong was in directed it. Now, my question is, I'm wondering, did he do all the Final Destinations or just this one? I feel like he didn't do the entire series. No, there's no way. Most directors tend to change. And so he would go on to do um, all the Conjuring movies. Third Conjuring movie is being directed by the guy who gave us La Lonia. So I should have low expectations. Exactly. So this must have been early James Wong before he really his career yeah, really was, took off. It was even before Insidious because what Insidious came out what 2010. The first Insidious was a while back. Yeah, it might have been. This is the year 2000. I know I graduated high school, so it had to be after 2010 or yeah. it, within 2010. Why am I thinking he did Saw? He didn't do Saw, right? Uh, yeah, I think he did the first one. He did the first Saw movie. Yeah, first one or first two. I know he was. He did one of the Saw movies. I just can't think of the one. I think he did the first one. one. I think you're right. So Which this is probably was, why the first one is actually really good. So this is probably let's say his first big movie. I'm thinking. I wouldn't say big movie. No, this was a big movie when it came out. See, I remember the time period when this came out. Supernatural slashers do tend to raise an eyebrow for people. Yeah, but this was like everybody, at least in high school, everybody was going to see it in theaters that weekend. Get, to be honest with you, I didn't even watch this until part three came out, and then I oh, just wow. watched all three of them at once. But That's you, my first uh, memory of this movie. You could see by the nature of the death scenes how the movie plays out that it would be fun to watch in theaters. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the audience reaction after some of these death scenes? This is a movie that would be really tailor-made to, be, to see in theaters. Something tells me some of those uh, audiences probably laughed a little bit, too, because oh, some yeah. of these death scenes were also a little out there. Comical, I would say. <laughs> right. Well, this, this whole plot is out there because we're used to slashers like Freddy, Jason, Leprechaun. They're all still supernatural, but none of them is legitimately death. Death. Let's talk about that before we get in the movie. Death as a killer. Imagine who has the balls to write that script where literally the killer is death. That's some That's some pretty big, bold, I'm thinking drug-induced, hallucinogen-based. Don't yes. make me pull out my phone and look up who wrote it. <laughs> no normal sober person is sitting there like, who's the killer for this? Death! I got it! Death! I mean, come on. This is definitely written by somebody who was high off their minds basically when they wrote this script. So, anyways, came out in 2000. So, money-wise, it made about $50 million domestic. So that was a reasonable hit for a horror movie, I would say, at that time. Which is probably why they made a sequel. Pretty quickly, too. Let me give props to Devin Sawa, too, because that dude was in some good movies back in the day. Yeah, even though, he, to me, he really is not that great of an actor. I mean, he probably is now. I mean, granted, he was young when he did all these good movies. He was in that one. He was in Idle Hands. I'm not saying that he should have been up for Shawshank Redemption. What I'm saying is that as far as being a likable protagonist, he gets a job done. He always plays likable characters that you can get behind support. And by the way, this his character here is totally different from Idle Hands. Two years in a row, he made Idle Hands in this movie because Idle Hands was 99. This is 2000. And then um, oddly, I don't know if I would say that he disappeared, but he did kind of fall off the map a little bit. Yeah. For 20 years. Yeah. And then now he, he's going to be in the new Chucky series. Amazing. But last year he popped up for me in this, this low budget John Travolta movie called 
called The Fanatic. Mm. And um, he was in uh, this, Idle Hands, and this tornado movie called Night of the Twisters. He used to come on TV a lot. Hmm. Was a big fan of him. This is probably Ali Lara's first first big thing. Pro- probably. I mean, it's the first thing I saw her in. I mean, I've probably seen her in more things, but again... I watched this when the third movie had already come out. Yeah, so Holly Larder, she showed up in the TV show Heroes. Yep. She, she was also, really strong in that. I think she was, uh, yeah, that. She also, uh, not so happy about this. Uh, nothing against Holly Larder because she did what she could. But she played one of my favorite protagonists in video games in a movie adaptation of Resident Evil. Oof. She played Claire Redfield. We know how you feel about the Resident Evil movies. Yes. I've heard this rant before. She did what she could with, with that movie, but uh, in this one, you could definitely tell she still needs some years of improvement. You know what the original name of this movie was? What's that? Flight 180. But you know why they changed that? Because they didn't want people to get confused with like Air Force One and other movies that come out that had well, airplane also, titles. Well, also, it would not have made too much sense had they decided to go with the sequel that they did. Yeah, as a standalone, Flight 180 would have made sense, but... As a, as a whole series yeah you could say that it's because of the flight why everything else is happening but it really still would not have made sense to name every single movie that they kept it with the kept it the way they did well yeah flight 180 part two didn't doesn't sound appealing especially since it since that massacre took place on a highway yeah so whoever changed the name gets kudos because they were clearly thinking ahead because you're right flight 180 would have been great as a standalone but wouldn't have worked out well for a series. Or what, the the highway that, that happened on would have been Highway 180. Well, the whole gimmick was, you got to think, though, then Part 3 is an amusement park. All of that after, like, one with the number 180, but still, Final Destination sounds like a better thing. Yeah. Especially since, you know, they're literally going to end up in their final destination in their coffin. Unless... Well, I don't want to get into the rules yet because there's so many damn rules with how they avoid that. So now... Damn I mean, we've probably already given away so much without even getting into the movie yet. You think so? I assume that people have seen the movie, but just in case you haven't, I don't think we've been too spoiler heavy yet. So anyways... Um, well, we spoiled that they're sequels. I mean, come on. That's... <laughs> we got to draw the lines where what's a spoiler, what's not a spoiler. People know there's a series. I mean, that's not spoiling anything, so... Oh yeah, so let's go ahead and just get into this movie and find out where our final destination lands. You know, you keep saying that. I'm, I'm, I don't want you to jinx us by continually talking about our final destination, all right? I, we don't know when that's going to be. i a gimmick for, because of the movie. I know, but you're scaring me because I'm thinking about, <laughs> that's you know, the point. everything we do could be playing in a death's plan. I mean, that's is not that, a, that's is not that a shadow e- by the wall, not death? Yeah, I mean, the next Mountain Dew you drink, who knows what, what of kind Mountain of Dew. acid reaction that can cause in your intestines where they explode and you do the do like a, like a damn commercial. Or who knows if my mic will just explode in my face for no reason at all. So. Well, you did smack it. So, final destination the opening credits I'll say this the opening credits throw out a lot of stuff there's a lot of little clues and hints there that are popping like up in the hanging credits. man silhouette you got uh, that the fan that could potentially be like the propeller that explodes they do a close up on his passport yeah showing that our our protagonist named Alex played by Devin Sawa is going to be taking a little trip to France yeah let me ask you sidebar did your high school ever like have some damn senior trip that went to a different country not a different country. I did have a drama trip that took me to New York City. Nice. We didn't go anywhere. I think they offered us tickets to Kings Dominion. Were you in drama class? No, but there should be a senior trip, though. Uh, that wasn't a senior trip. That was just our drama class tends to go to New York sometimes to go watch plays. 
Do you, you want to come? Yes. You were a drama nerd on top of TV production? <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Did you work on the yearbook? No. It's kind of hard to work on a yearbook when uh, you don't even, you only get to the school for the last year. They're going to Paris on a senior trip? Yeah, that does seem, well, is it really a senior trip or is it a French class trip? Because notice how it just seems like all these people would be. No, you're right. You're right. Because they, they say later in the movie that it's um a class of 41 students. Exactly. And that wouldn't be the senior class. No, senior class would probably be closer to 100 or that full plane. Okay, this, that's even more mind-blowing. A little French class <laughs> is going on a trip to France? I wonder how much money they had to put up Damn. just to get those students to go. I wonder if you're failing the class, do you still get to go? Probably like, what, not. Like, what about skipping class but just showed up for the trip? It's like, yeah, I want to go to France, but I don't want to... Something tells me Devin Sawa was one of those characters. Yeah, what... <laughs> How, how is him and his friend here on this damn trip to France? And also, why is his brother going? It's, I'm pretty sure his brother would be in a different class. I didn't pick his up on that. His brother is older than them. He's definitely older. But then again, I guess with electives like uh, a foreign language, probably. Well, wait, hold on, wait, wait. I got a very simple solution. Simple solution. His brother is an idiot and has repeated the 12th grade seven times. That makes sense. Then he'd still be in the same grade. He's just, he but can't, I guess that he can't get out. Why he's one of the people who just stays on the plane and dies. Well, here's an idea. He likes getting these trips to France, so he just stays. He just he fills the class over here so he can keep taking this trip. So he's Ice Trey from damn Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yeah. Who absolutely. repeats the 10th grade like six times? That is such a mind-blowingly specific preference. <laughs> Ice Trey from Fresh Prince? You know my motto. If I like something, I stick with it. Are they paying for this? Like, who's paying for this trip? I was They probably are, because I had to pay for my trip to New York. Ah, so their parents are paying for it, probably. Yeah. Well, okay. me, I still ended up having to pay for it. My dad's just like, do extra chores around the house and you get the money. So basically, these extremely overly privileged sons of bitches. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not jealous. I'm just saying. I mean, it's <laughs> You're not jealous. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, we got to. You sound pretty jealous to we me, got sir. To, we got to go to Burger King in my senior <laughs> class. That was just me skipping class and going to Burger King on my own. I was about to say that something, no, something we went, doesn't sound right there. No, we went to the, um, what's the astronomy place? The planetarium went there. We went to the museum, the Smithsonian. Okay, see, I wouldn't mind, I would not have minded going there. But that's 45 minutes away. That wasn't a big trip for us. We bore on a bus and just went there. The aquarium, two hours away. I like aquariums. France would have been nice. I like, I like fish, I like fish too, but Paris, France, something. No, because then you have to get on a plane, like flight 180. Well, I would make sure it wouldn't be flight 180 though. <sighs> I would never even now board a flight of 180. <laughs> would you? Would you want to? If, how much you want to bet? Airlines are now purposely holding the number one eighty completely off. And this had to ruin all future prospects of the na of the number one eighty. Probably all flights of one eighty were just like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. So, anyways, we have basically he's getting ready for this trip that he's taking the next day. He's in his bedroom. He's packing. One thing that's said about this opening scene, though, I don't know if you picked up on this. Well, first of all, his mom rips the tag off the, the, the suitcase, which is bad luck. Yeah, allegedly. Knowing what we know is going to happen, this is a really terrible move, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> she didn't know she was jinxing the hell out of him, but okay. Well, for all we know, that's probably not even a jinx move. I mean, I've never heard that before. Don't rip off your old tags from flights. I've never heard that before. I thought it was don't rip off the tag off the mattress, but I guess in this movie they're saying that the... The bad luck is ripping it off the suitcase. I guess. So his dad says to him, famous last words, his dad says, you have your whole life ahead of you. I did catch that. And for some reason, David Sawa got such a serious look yes. on his face. I'm like, this is what I wanted to bring up. So he got a look of like where he's already seen something or sensed something. And I don't know if that look makes sense at this point in the movie. It doesn't because we don't know if he's even, if he's had any kind of, we don't know if he's having any kind of feelings. He never mentions it throughout the movie that he had something before this premonition even happens. Yes, we you kind of get that he has an issue with flying altogether. 
I get that, but this look is like more like him later in the movie would give these kind of looks. Right. And it's like, I don't know if this is like a directing thing or what, but someone should like coach them on just, I don't know if that we knew that it's too early for that look. Is right. It, it should have just been like, you know, he looks up, acknowledges his dad with kind of a smile and says, I know. You know, something just a kind of a passive thing. Well, because we don't need his reaction, the line is still an ironic line. Right. We know what's probably going to happen, but him and that dad saying that still works. But we don't need that weird shot of him just like looking at his dad, like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm it's it's a die. it's a weird reaction. Yeah. Because if he's feeling this way already, then why even board the flight? I guess they thought it added to the eeriness. To me, it didn't. Like the uh, all the different uh, f- how the flights are going through, whether they're canceled or being boarded. I just delayed. thought that was random and didn't mean it didn't mean anything to me as a viewer. Right. I was and like I, and the way they're having the background, the score to the movie, and the way they're having his face just going dead to him again, they're making it seem like he's it's like more serious than what it is. He's like overly perceptive. Right. He's going through the scenes and he's like. He's looking for, like, every clue possible. They, the movie, in fact, actually overdoes clues at this point. Like, when the flight attendant, um, when she gives him back the passport, it says on the passport, your final destination. It says it on the passport, your final destination. And we're just like, oh, wow, that's... But it's too many clues. And then also there's there's John Denver. Oh, my God. They're going to really overuse this whole John Denver thing in this mm-hmm. movie. But there's John De- John Denver music playing in the airport. They don't really do a good job of actually, like, really establishing that he is scared of flights, though. Like, does, mean, does he even mention that, though? He doesn't mention it, but you kind of see, you see it but posture. It, yeah i don't know and because to me, this is probably if you look at it as him just being afraid of these flight uh of flights or maybe heights in general it kind of his posture if you take a lot of the stuff that happens at the beginning out his posture give, tells gives you the clue that he does not like flights he does not like heights it may be heights it may just be you know he probably one of those people that believes your feet should stay firmly on the ground i get it but you could have easily slipped in one line to his dad or his dad could have slipped in a line about you know you've always been afraid of flights but you know tomorrow's you know, different you know what makes a good movie show don't tell no but in this case you need both because i don't know if he's scared of flights or if he's been like just having a dread about because that look he gives in the room it was like well he's like been feeling weird about this for a while because he gave a look of like like he's already sensing death is upon him basically so i'm just saying you have to separate like his nerves of flying versus is he already having like premonitions and stuff that's all i'm saying they could have done a better job of just separating okay common flight nerves or Mm -hmm. like why is he so damn suspect so So, another thing i will mention for anyone who's an ollie larder fan if you haven't recognized her yet she's always in the background just reading a book she's a bookworm yeah i mean she's still she just like almost every other movie she's in she's a beautiful woman she's not gonna stay on this flight but if she did she would probably have read every harry potter book on this damn flight Possibly she was already almost done with the book she was reading. Oh, it was Harry Potter. <laughs> no, it wasn't. They, they couldn't get the rights. No, I'm just kidding. Probably not. Um, but she was going to read the whole damn series. Oh, yeah. Side. So she's definitely a bookworm. Um, so we have Alex and we have his best friend. Todd. Todd. And then you're right. Todd's brother. I never called his name. Yeah, but, they don't, they don't uh, say does, his name. He does kind of have a, a somewhat funny line when they get on. They see the baby crying. It's like, see, you have to be a real fucked up guy to throw down this plane. Then you see the uh, mentally ill kid. He's like... I didn't think the movie. Oh, fucked up God. Yeah, I didn't think the movie needed that. It was just weird. It didn't, but it still got a chuckle out of me when they when he kind of whispered under his breath, "Real fucked up God." Here's what gave me a chuckle before they board the flight. Todd suggests, "Hey man, let's go take a shit." Oh, you know, I have never. Have you ever asked a friend to go take a shit with you? No. The closest I've ever gotten was. This uh, is gonna be a funny story. (laughs) Not really. It's kind of a meh. But closest I've ever gotten, me and my dad and. 
a friend of mine went to the beach and it just so happened there was like these wanted posters of a serial killer at this beach. So I needed to use the bathroom. I just looked at my buddy. He's like, hey, stand in front of the door. He goes, why? Well, because if a serial killer comes after us, I'd rather a two-on-one over one-on-one because I don't know what this guy looks like. Okay, that's different. That makes sense. That's for safety purposes. But I still didn't ask him, hey, let's go take a shit. I just said, stand in front of the door and let me know if I need to come out of there and beat this shit out of somebody. My mind is blown because I'm like, well, Todd, if you feel that way, why don't you yourself go take a shit? That would be the normal <laughs> thing to do. But he asked. Well, remember exactly how he worded it, too. It was like, what if you needed to use the bathroom? You blow up that bathroom, that stench stays in there for a while, and then the girl you like comes in after you. Okay, so why not take care of this at home before coming to the airport? But I, th- I thought that was comical because uh, I've never <laughs> heard or seen of that proposition of... Anyways, no. but them sitting on the toilets, that, that's when we get actually... Them on the toilets when we get the reveal of John Denver music playing. Mm. Now, for those, that don't, for those that don't know, John Denver was a singer who died in an airplane crash. Yep. So there's the irony here of his music playing, even and though they're going to do this into the entire movie. They're going to keep going to this well of playing the John Denver. And uh, even Devin Sawa says John Denver died plane crash. He's putting together so many damn clues that to me doesn't. It's even, a little bit too much. To me, we don't even need all these clues being put together. Well, because I mean, he's going to have a damn premonition. Yeah, but he doesn't even know he's going to have a damn premonition. That premonition going to tell him everything he knows already. Well, there's enough clues to where. He, he probably would be justified just not getting on the flight. Right. But hold on. That's a very, um, by the way, that's a, that is a very irresponsible airport to be playing John Denver music. <laughs> like, are they trying to be cheeky? What is that? <laughs> like, everybody's in the airport should be picking up on that and be like, hey, wait a minute. Right. Why, why are you playing that song? Or is it possible that it just comes to him because it's part of the premonition? It just comes to his mind because he's psychic abilities and blah. No, I don't think so. I think they're playing some damn John Denver music. <laughs> So basically, and he's, uh, as they're boarding the flight also, he's like, he's looking at the uh, the wing of the plane. He's looking at a little car driving beneath. He's like being overly perceptive basically about everything. Everything's heightened right now. Sits down. Now here's the problem I got. When he sits on the plane, the two girls basically, they come to him to change. Well, first, before they come to him, they ask Todd, mm. will you change seats with him? Now, listen, I don't need extreme logic here. But Todd, the scene before was telling Alex, hey, let's take a shit so that if we blow up the bathroom, we don't want those two girls coming in and smelling and associating us with that. He tells the two girls that he has a, ur- a urinary affection. Right. What, what the hell? How do you, like, that's a st- and also his- strong, bad logic there with the writing. And also, I don't know about you, but every plane I've been on, the bathroom has is usually in both the back and the front. Yeah. With Todd, he was dead center, so no matter which way he went, is the same direction. Had he switched with the girl, then technically... If I was the girl, I'd be like, uh, well, the bath- there's a bathroom in the back, so that would actually be a better spot for you still. He literally just went to use the bathroom to avoid this embarrassment and then tells them he has a urinary infection, and they actually cringe and, and walk away. Well, yeah, what because- the hell are you doing, Todd? Because what is that? Or not, urinary infections are still mainly uh, associated for just females, even though males can't get it too, but it's mostly a female thing. You know, not to say he's going to have any opportunities with them, but if he did, th- th- those are I, all blown now. It's probably... It's over. It probably the dream's over, really Todd. him for one of the girls. I think it was him uh, to try and get Alex to be with the girl he likes. No, I don't think so. No, they don't think so? Because okay. they asked Alex, like, can we change these with you? And they cut to Todd, and he's given, like, the, if you make this switch, I'm going to kill you. By the way, you know what he's doing? He was showing, uh, he was pantomiming hanging him. <laughs> This movie's all about foreshadowing. 
like like crazy. Mm-hmm. So Todd showing that. So Todd was definitely looking out for you know himself with the girls, but the urinary infection. This is bad writing. He just established that ah, he was conscious of that kind of thing. Anyways, um, the premonition. So actually, before we get to the premonition, I yeah. just want to mention one other thing that Todd could have done. That you know, for some reason, a lot of guys don't think is a good idea. He should have just been honest with those girls. Should have just been like, see, I would, but I actually wanted. Sit with you so I can talk to you and get to know you better. Oh, these are two best friends on a seven-hour flight. They don't want to sit next to him for seven hours. Once they sit down, you know, if, you don't know if they can then switch seats after twenty minutes if it's awkward. <laughs> that's that's the bet. Okay, if it was a a thirty-minute bus ride, yes, do that. A seven-hour flight. Well, then another thing he could have done is, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll switch with your friend. That's a damn lie. <laughs> once, once the board's in flight, who knows if you can switch? Once the flight's in motion, who knows you if you can? You're not allowed to switch at all on flights. He was going for the juggler, but it didn't work out because, you know, Alex sells him down the river and is like, yeah, I'll switch seats. <laughs> so the whole thing was for nothing. But just remember, guys. So check it out. Now they, they think he has a urinary infection and he still didn't get to sit next to him. Right. <laughs> it was not a, oh my God. So just remember, guys, be truthful with the girl and you'll, it'll work out better for you. In the long run. Well, if you're going to tell a lie, then make up a better lie than a urinary infection. That too. That's like uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Jesus. That too. So, anyway, um, now the premonition. The premonition. So technically the premonition actually starts with uh, the girl is asking him to switch. That's where the premonition legitimately starts because that's where we cut to right afterward. He runs, to, he goes to the seat, tries to get the in the damn uh, table in front, pops open. Is it... um? My question is, is he actually, is he asleep and dreaming or is this actually just him awake and daydreaming this? Probably awake and daydreaming. Okay. Because afterwards, after the premonition is done, he's going to be like in a cold sweat. Right. Like really like, like he's just been to the ringer. Yeah. So. so I think it was still a daydream because why would the girls literally come up and ask him a question without like nudging him awake first? Because the when he comes out of his, his premonition, she goes, uh, hello, did, uh, what's your answer? You know, uh, it's been a while since I've seen this and I thought that. In my mind, the this premonition, this plane crash scene was like a long, drawn-out thing, but it's actually just a two-minute scene. It's well, that, a very quick plane crash. And also, for some reason, I thought it was bloodier than what it actually is. Yeah, there's not much air. It's um so, um the sequels would go on to like have more elaborate, um, gore and blood opening and, scenes with yeah. that. But this is a pretty tame. That from every, probably from every, wasn't big enough to do a lot of gore. From everything I read, it's like a realistic plane crash. The way right. it's filmed, it's like plausible it could happen that way. Mm. But there's not much to it. Um, so, yeah, we don't have to spend 18 minutes talking about the, the plane. It's a two-minute plane crash. He wakes up in a cold sweat. And then he freaks out, and him and, what, like six other people get off? Well, okay, so, you know, they obviously, I don't want to nitpick this too much because this has to move the plot along. But he's like, the plane's going to explode. So the other character, um, Carter. Carter, who um, he was on Dawson's Creek. That's how I know him. I, I never watched Dawson's Creek. Well, that was your loss, right? No, it ain't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in between TV class and drama class, all your all your TV class and drama class minutes, they were watching Dawson's Creek, right? He's crying about the plane exploding. And then Carter, who is our, I guess, our human antagonist for most of the movie. For he, some reason, instead he, of just... He, he, he kind of overreacts. Yeah, he, instead of just... I mean, I guess it's probably because... Uh, he punches them. <laughs> granted... <laughs> he starts a physical fight right, on but, a plane. Granted, how would you feel if someone just started freaking out saying, plane's going to explode? Here's how I'd react. Here's how any normal person would react. They would wait for security to come and remove them off the plane. And that's what was going to happen until Carter stuck his big nose situation and then got all these people well, kicked off the plane. To be fair. Because he threw fists. You can't throw fists. To be fair, he probably, got, he probably got freaked out, especially with how... No. 
He was angry and wanted to beat him up. No, because uh, if somebody on my plane started screaming, "There is a this plane will explode!" I'm getting off that plane. All right, so <laughs> so everybody involved in the scrap, let's say, is removed from the plane. Yep, you got. And, and then Ali Larder voluntarily gets, gets off the plane, which we'll find out later why. Poor um, poor Stifler from American Pie, Sean William Scott, innocent bystander, somehow gets caught in the scrap and is even complaining. Well, like, because hey, I didn't he, fight anybody. Yeah, because he was uh, trying to get on the plane because he was actually late to getting on the plane and then he just because wrong time wrong place wrong time ends up getting pushed right off i know he's why he was late too he tried to ride his damn bike to the airport because this mofo was riding a bike throughout the whole movie he should have got a ride well calling carter late. a jackass for always you know bullying him yeah he just and he could have got a ride and fine but he, he took his bike and this is this is where it ended up yeah so now here's where i got some problems so the teacher gets kicked off no she doesn't get kicked off her and the other teacher get off to because they're their students sure so then she tells the other teacher because he knows french you get on the plane you know french i'm not going to be a, of any help to them and i'll just get on the next flight that's fine but my problem is with the the captain of the plane randomly being like no only one of you can get on it's two teachers. Why wouldn't they both be able to get on? At this point, you're stretching my imagination of like, you're stretching my logic of like, why wouldn't the teachers be allowed back on? Well, the teachers, what? yeah, that makes what? no sense, but... How come... Okay, if two people got in a fight, why are any of these people being penalized? Just the two people that got in a fight? So the teacher thing was kind of like, okay, the, the, the captain basically lost his shit and was like, nobody else gets back on. Only, only one of you teachers can get back on. It just, that doesn't make any sense. But anyways, as luck would have it, or as bad luck would have it, well, I guess it doesn't matter which one gets on back on the plane or not. It's just... they, they probably had a better death than what the other one got. Oh God, we'll get to that. I'm um, sorry about that, but to be honest with you, well, I probably would rather the plane crash. Well, this is interesting. Compared like, to what some of these characters get. This is interesting topic that we actually you probably have to wait to get into though is <laughs> would you rather have been on the plane or one of these remaining survivors like, it depends on what part of the plane like if i'm one of the ones that gets sucked out of the plane and falls to my death That's... i'd rather probably get whatever death has planned for me i don't i don't want to just think of my last like five minutes of life just me watching the ground come closer and closer and closer if the plane explodes and i die instantaneously by the fire Fine. Yeah, but if it happens immediately, instantaneously, <laughs> like pronounce, if it happens instantaneously, that's the best way to go, I agree. So anyways, they're off. The plane takes off. We got Stifler watching and be like, there they go, and here we are. And uh, Carter, again, tries to beat him up, beat up uh, Alex at the airport again. Yeah, but this time Alex actually gets up and is like, this time I'm coming for you. <laughs> Alex, he's just, something, he's just something like, he's like, I'm going to put you in the hospital or some shit. Like, and then when they down. finally break him apart, they're like, I wish you were on the plane. And then plane explodes. Did the premonition seem like... There's more going on than just an explosion? The plane explodes really quick, right? It's right taking off and explodes. Right. The premonition seemed like a longer timetable. Well, there's probably things happening up there that, you know, we couldn't see from ground level. It looked like the plane was at least like wobbling or something right. in the premonition. We just see it going straight and then a straight explosion. Mm. Um, everybody's shocked. Oh yeah, wouldn't you? I'd be shocked, but... But here's the real question. Um, I don't think the, uh, the plane exploding would cause such a damn shock, aftershock to the, explode those gla the glass. The whole of the, glass exploded. Yeah, I don't think it would cause that big of a shock. It's not like it's a nuke because that plane was pretty far from the airport by then. Well, this thing about the, the explosion of far away causing that, I mean, I've only seen that in movies. It's always in movies, always a thing in movies, but... I mean, eh. I, it apparently is dramatic if the glassic breaks. I'm like, no, it would still be dramatic if Stifler would just watch in damn horror 
as no, the plane I, explodes. It would have been still got the point across, but it exploding did add like um, something to it though. Just exploding and then because it exploding wouldn't have got the other characters attention the same way. Stiff would have been like, oh my God. But the rest of them just were like, I'm going to push you in the hospital, Carter. Mm-hmm. He said something like that. I don't know. No, he said, I wish you were on that plane, Carter. Oh yeah. So pretty much a death threat because he knew what was going to happen. And then the cops will later use that against him, actually. Oh, yeah, because now um, we get the police investigation, uh, making sure it's not foul play that's going on. Yeah, well, okay, so here's the thing. You have somebody who just, who claimed the plane was going to explode, taken off the plane, and then the plane explodes. Right. Um. Obviously, I mean. Which is why I'm the not police are to investigate. Yeah, they're there to investigate, and obviously that's very suspicious. But um, some funny things happen, though. While, the, while they're waiting to see the cop, before they're waiting to see the cop, they're sitting there, and I think Miss Luton, the teacher, she asks him, like, you know, she, she asks Alex, are there any survivors? And he's like, how, should I, how should I know? But what's funny, and again, I don't know if this is bad writing. This is funny to me when I'm watching it. He's like, he's like I'm not a... Wait, 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 hold on. No, this is funny, though. I'm not a... And then he holds the thought, right? And Claire, Ali Lara, her, her character's name is Claire. Yeah. She offers. He's not a witch, right? Like, what did what who, who, him being who did you think was suspecting that he was a witch? Everyone was probably expecting, thinking psychic or freak. Yeah, it was just. Um, it, she should have said freak. I'm like Claire for someone so well read. That's what you got for us. He's not a witch. Come on. I thought that's uh, again, just, that that was just a weird. It was a weird line. So sadly for Ollie Larder, as I, we all know, she gets better at acting, but. You know, you can only do so much that the script is giving. No, no, I'm not blaming her. I'm talking about the character Claire. I'm talking about the damn yeah, writing. I, that well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the writing for the character Claire because she's otherwise a smart person. But I'm not a. He's not a witch. Uh, thank you, Claire. Uh, thank you for your input here. All right, <laughs> right. You well, did nothing well, for me. Why don't you go ahead and finish your book, Claire? All right. Why don't you get back to your book? Um. Yeah, so the cops basically, we get the little two-minute interrogation scene. And we get the whole montage of them at the memorial service. So, I guess we should mention the memorial service between Alex and Todd talking. Because it kind of puts into perspective what happens. Yeah, but I think the point of the scene is basically is to, because when the scene ends pretty much, or during this memorial scene, all the characters interact with Alex in a different way. Right. They all have different reactions. I think there's only one normal correct reaction and that's Clara coming up to him saying you saved my life thank you that seems like normal and realistic Miss what? Lu- Miss everybody else being like what? treating him like a piece of shit Carter was hostile Carter Carter's like for some reason defensive and being like you know I, don't, I hope you don't think I owe you something like no he doesn't think that but he didn't ask you for anything why are you even volunteering right. that uh, was it Miss Luton was like get away from me you scared the hell out of me and 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 uh, and Stifler yeah, he just comes up like, hey, man, um, am I going to die? It's like... Well, no, he, he did something where he's like, he's like, you know, I was taking my driving test. Right, just and, trying uh, to get answers out of him. Am I going to pass my driver's? Am I going to get my... No, he, he did say, basically, am I going to die? And the dude's just like, and Alex is like, I, I don't know. Leave me alone. Right. So, Claire, to me, like, if that happened in real life, I think Claire's reaction was the only actual realistic, like, hey, whatever else, you got me off the plane, thank you. Everybody else's reaction was some movie bullshit. Pretty much. Bad writing. There's no reason for Carter to be so, throughout this whole movie, but especially at this point, why is he still so pissed off the guy that got him off the plane, actually, that would have killed him? But anyways, that was my, my pet peeve about to that be scene. To be honest, Carter is pretty much antagonistic towards 
Two point of not making sense. Right. But, and, it, but it gets until, worse. Until freaking... No, well, hold on. It gets worse, though. Yeah. I don't, uh, this is not even the height of Carter's useless and unrealistic antagonization. It gets, it gets worse. Oh, yeah. So let's just go ahead and skip to what everyone wants to see, and that is the death scenes. Because we get our first kill in the movie at this next scene. My boy Todd. Yep. Already suffering from a urinary infection. Now he has to go through this too. Yeah, his brother died on the plane. He's got a urinary infection. Uh, his father doesn't want him seeing his best friend anymore. Those girls died, so yeah, even so if he had a chance, booty. even if he had a chance, that's that's gone now. He didn't even have a chance when they were alive. Nope. And uh, he, so, he, he and, already shot himself in the foot with that. And so. here's another thing. He doesn't have a beard to shave, yet he goes ahead and tries to shave anyway. Listen, he's planning for the future that he won't actually have. So, Can he at least get a damn beard before he tries to shave? Or at least a stubble? My question is, we get to... We, we, we cut between his death scene and Alex getting clues. Oh, yeah. And the not even clues, but something pretty obvious, like the damn fan blows a piece of paper that says Todd on the piece of paper. Yep. Which sends Alex running towards Todd's house and a futile attempt to save him that won't pay off at all. Also, what is with Todd and, or at least his movie, whenever Todd's on and shitting? Because I don't know. that's how it starts, is Todd needing to use the bathroom, sits down to shit, and then all of a sudden, the uh, toilet water, kind of, the pipe for the toilet water springs a leak, and that's going to be the cause of what happens to him. Well, this Todd role is a thankless role. Very. I'm sure the actor got paid handsomely, but... This is not a, I think, this is not a good role. Well, especially since, to be honest, this is probably, I mean, it's not as uh, gruesome as next death after him, but it's pretty gruesome still having just the damn uh, wire wrapped around him and him unable to un, to unwrap it for Well, yeah, he's, he's suffocating, and he's actually so close to the scissors, but he can't reach it. And the wire is so thin that it's actually, caught, it's actually cutting in a little bit. And there's a damn, like, monkey voodoo doll thing laughing at him. Right. Like, it's actually smiling at him. So, one thing, though, is we see the black shadow in the background when he's in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And so... That's supposed to be our death. What I mentioned earlier, basically, was the director initially, the concept of death was for him to be much more obviously, like, killing them versus, like, all the random stuff happening. Mm-hmm. He's going to be more of an actual, like, like physical presence himself. That would actually be a decent slasher movie as, you know, a skeletal figure coming at him with a scythe. But but it's cheesy because, like, it's death. Do we need a physical presence? He's going to make random shit happen and then clean up his mess. But I will say that um, this scene was well done because you kind of see the, 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 the clues coming together about what's going to happen to him. But, you know, when it finally pays off, it's, it's interesting. And, yeah, he suffocates, which there was a lot of foreshadowing about him him doing that. Oh, yeah. But um, I'm more. I was more thinking about. Um, I was thinking about Alex getting the clues. I'm like, why the hell is death leading all these damn breadcrumbs of clues? Where are these clues coming from? It's gonna be something that's gonna haunt me for the rest of the movie as I figure out. Try to figure out who the hell is giving these clues. Like literally, the piece of paper saying title. Like, is that death or is that an opposing force? It doesn't make sense to me. He's leaving a breadcrumbs of hey, what if? Because the clue was enough that. If he was faster, maybe he could have got to Todd's house and saved him in time. So he showed up like a little bit after he died, though. He gets to Todd's house. The cops are there. Ambulance is there. Why the hell is Claire hiding behind a tree? What is she doing there? She had a feeling. Yeah, but that's an early sign of like, wait a minute, sh- something going on with her too. From what? what the only thing I can gather from their interaction is apparently whatever Alex feels, she somehow feels. 
But she doesn't get the same premonitions, apparently. It's just a feeling she's getting. Right. And it, those feelings are apparently somehow still attached to Alex. That And that's all we really get an explanation of why. So he then goes to her house to, I guess... I guess confront her. Confront her. And she's, she, says, she gives this like whole speech about the FBI's investigating. And she says you know, your best friend committing suicide didn't help that. I'm like, it kind of does get him off the hook, doesn't it? I mean, it was a suicide. Well, if you're the FBI, you're like, well, this guy didn't, he didn't kill his best friend. His best friend committed suicide. Right. How are you going to pin that on Alex? It was a good thing. It, I think it, it, any weirdness about it, I think, was taken away from like, okay, they know he's not the killer least. Yeah, well, then the next line is literally, you want to go talk to Todd? This was so, so weird and so quickly rushed and like... Well, ugh. it's like they had Tony Todd for just a day and they really wanted him in this damn movie. I had to look it up because um, Jeepers Creepers was 2001. This is 2000. Something was in the air during this time period where they were writing in these characters, like the psychic in Jeepers Creepers and Tony Todd Hare, these damn exposition monsters who serve no purpose other than to give background to our mysterious villain. Okay, now I know that you've been waiting patiently for your Tony Todd theories, mainly because, folks, Tony Todd's his favorite actor, so... That's um, besides the point. Anyway. Yeah, so, so you're, now trying that, to make, you're trying to make his role in this bigger than it is. So, so now that Tony Todd's in this movie, my original theory about this guy was that he was deaf, who was getting bored with these simple designs, so it was giving people the ability to go up against them so he can have a little bit more fun. That's still, in my opinion, still plausible. However, another thing I just now thought of. What if Tony Todd is actually an angel that is giving the premonitions against death? Because again, he still knows way too much about how to not really beat death, but at least keep the cycle going so the characters can live longer. See, I'm on board with that. I can't get on board with that. I can't get on board with the idea that he's death himself, but he's clearly a part of whatever opposing force is helping Alex and he's clearly not the one giving the premonition but maybe I don't know it's weird it just because he's obviously already helpful for Alex he is the character that just tells him that death has a design y'all broke it so now death is going to constantly keep coming back to you until he finishes the design I mean he has the most important two minutes of the movie because he breaks down essentially the blueprint for the entire damn series going forward can you imagine um him getting interviewed for that job. The guy interviewing is like, or the, the boss is like, well, you know, you have the right qualifications, but the fact that you're Candyman means that I can't hire you. You've killed too many people, can't hire Candyman. So now let's just make you an angel so you can save people. I'll take it. <laughs> well, that'd be better off with you doing the voice, but. I'll take it. How much vacation time? What are my benefits? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, who hires Candyman to be like a mortuary person? But Everybody. But my pro- my problem is that he's giving all this wisdom about what they're going through. And the- after two minutes, they're like, okay, we got to go. No, <laughs> stay there and pick his brain the entire night. Find out what he knows, how he knows. He's clearly had some experience here. They, as important as he, as he is, he's not in the movie enough because based on the situation, they should keep going back to him for more advice. He's never seen again in this movie. The next scene, uh, he's talking to Claire about what they just learned. And then Carter comes in with probably... Again, okay, wait, wait, for wait, wait, some wait. reason. Wait, 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 wait. This scene, too, was annoying because he's laying out this whole plan, basically. And she's, like, basically, she's acting like she's believing him. As he lays it all out, she's like, I now know that Todd committed suicide. <laughs> like, she said, he said the whole thing just for her to be a non-believer. It was just like, he's like, he should just, like, tone this shit down and, like, explain this to you just for you to completely just not be on my side. Uh, so that way they can sit in a spot long enough for Carter to come and do probably one of the dumbest things in the whole movie. 
So before we get to Road Rage Carter, we see that he gets the... Is it a premonition when he sees the bus on the, on the yeah, bus thing? I mean, a, I guess it's a clue. It's a clue. That he does not take seriously. He doesn't <laughs> think about it, which is stupid, but okay. Be honest, a lot of these clues he sees, he doesn't think about all that much. He it's sees like, them, he reacts to them, but then it's just whatever. It's like when you get the clue, you have to really in the moment think about it because that might be happening in this very scene. Mm. So Roll Rage Carter, he's driving. He sees, um, he sees Alex and Claire sitting there having a nice, beautiful lunch. He decides Possibly to... Possibly on a date. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're, they're a cute couple. Carter already has a girlfriend. No reason for him to mess up this romantic um, intertwinement. But he decides to first make an illegal turn in traffic, almost kill Billy, who's on that damn bike, as he always is. Right. And, like, there's, like, a, almost a two-car pileup, which is funny, because mm-hmm. you'd think Carter would be cautious about crashes, but he almost causes a big accident himself. To get out and attack Cubs. Alex. You could say Alex, or you can say Browning, because he always calls him Browning. Browning well, yeah, but still, he comes out and almost, and for some reason, decides he's going to attack Alex when Terry finally says, you're stupid, this whole situation is stupid, let's just move on with our lives. Wait, 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 wait. I want to first highlight before you, why is Carter so pissed off at him? It still doesn't make any sense. He comes out and he's like, Carter tells him, well, no, Carter tells Miss Luton, hey, you have to move now, because... Because of him. He saved your life, asshole. Why are you still mad? Okay, anyways. Yeah, she's able to move because of him. <laughs> this, is, this scene is the, the height of what I call the Carter's uh, antagonistic for no reason meter. It's like, it's like hitting red now and about to explode. He's so uselessly angry, but I just, I just don't like this character. But anyways, um, when his girlfriend speaks, is that the first time she spoke the whole movie? Yeah. Talk about underdeveloped <laughs> character. Yeah, how, were we supposed to care when she ended up nothing but a red stain on the bus? I think you're supposed to be like shocked, like, oh my God, she died. But I was like, she had no character. <laughs> Other than being Carter's girlfriend, I don't know anything about this. I don't know her, what her name, her name was. Terry. Her name's Terry, but that's only, I only know that because Carter keeps bringing her up in the movie. What do you think about this bus that scene? Came in fast, came in... like The, the shock factor was bus, great. Are you telling me this bus did not see a random girl like in the middle of the street? This is what I want to bring up because... Maybe the brakes just didn't work. The bus is coming in so fast, right, that it couldn't have turned onto the road. It had to be coming from a straight line, basically, mm-hmm. just with how fast it's coming. She's standing there. She has all the characters in front of her, a solid four people. None of them saw the bus, heard the bus. <sighs> it's Alex didn't say, hey, get off the road. Well, <laughs> Alex apparently has ADD because he, he ignored his bus premonition from five <laughs> minutes ago. Like, whoever gave the clue was like, bro. Dude, I gave you the clue five minutes ago. You had five minutes to sit on it. You could have helped her. If Tony Todd really is an angel giving him the clues, he's probably like this. You son of a bitch. He's like, I picked the dumbest son of a bitch to give these clues to. <laughs> Should have given t- it to Claire. I told him about the bus six minutes ago. Should have so, given it to Claire. Yeah. Okay. And we'll see later in the movie. She actually reacts quick, but okay. Anyways, my thing is like, yeah, I don't know. Nobody sees the bus coming in time just to give her and, and she doesn't. And then could have been easily avoided. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But the shock factor is amazing. Yep, so let's go ahead and, I, I guess, go ahead and talk about this next revelation that Alex actually puts together himself. I'm so proud. Our little boy's growing up. Uh, this dude apparently has a future like an engineering or something because he does a brilliant-ass thing here, basically, where he figures out the pathway of the explosion and then lines that up with his own um, sort of graph he's made to figure out that the path of the explosion <clears throat> went through all the characters who got off the plane. This is a bit much for me. Well, <laughs> it's a little bit much. Yeah, so he pretty much figures out the that uh, the order they would have died in the plane crash is the order they're dying now, which 
I mean, that makes sense. It but does, but... It, it doesn't have to be the pathway of the explosion, though. That's <laughs> a little bit convenient, but weird, but okay. And the premonition... Uh, so from the graph, it looks like the explosion happened from the side going side to side, but the premonition showed the fire coming from front to back. Because uh, so, technically, wouldn't that mean Alex and... Because uh, where they were seated, technically, Alex and Todd were in the same row of seats so wouldn't they have died at the exact same time probably so how come alex is not the immediate first one after todd i don't know i think that the because fact the that, damn explosion came for, to his face yeah <laughs> but the fact is like whatever uh candy man told them they took as like valid and that's the thing now he's figured out something that's the thing it's like luckily for him he's like none of this stuff is wrong this is all like actual design I don't know about him actually figuring all this out. This is all like pretty convenient, like him putting on his engineering hat as a high school senior who was in French, was in French class. But right, um, he he figures a lot. He figures out a lot here, and the audience we have no choice but to just be on board with them and say, okay, well that's a they they've done this. To, they're clearly giving us the plot and death design and how it works. And okay, I'll buy it. Cool. Well, how about we just talk about this third death because I think it's probably one of the more gruesome and gory deaths. Miss Lewin? Yep. She has... The, Death had fun with this one. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Death took his time with this one. Well, I guess we're, I guess we're supposed to first uh, mention that she calls the cops on Alex for being this stupid kid and thinking, I'm going to go to this person's house who hates me at night. She's not... Nothing's going to happen, right? And that guy catches him uh, investigating her tires. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? I'm just making sure they're safe. He goes get in the car it's like and he just willingly gets in the car i'm like most protagonists try to you know kind of fight against this not enough to you know obviously make them look bad but enough to explain what exactly they're doing instead of because he knows something's about to happen so he wants to stay there to make sure he can try and prevent it but yeah he just jumps in the car with him i'm, I'm telling you this is the worst person to give this the worst person with this power to was alex because okay i'm convinced he could have prevented terry's death and he also could prevent Miss Luton's death. He knows enough now to stop this from happening because he's an idiot investigating tires and stuff. He gets caught and gets taken away. So this means that he's always late showing up to the scene, basically. So now poor Miss Luton has this elaborate, death. crazy death. Right. Where everything that could go wrong does, does go wrong. So her damn... Uh, now, one thing I'm just wondering, just pure... It doesn't really make much sense anyway. So in the scene, because the cut, the mug is still kind of important for the scene, but she gets so scared of this mug, she throws her tea out of it. It's like, if you're so scared of this mug, I would have thrown the mug. Yeah. But instead, she just throws the tea out of it, puts it down, says it's just a mug, puts vodka in it, and starts drinking the vodka out of it. So does, the, does it not matter that it's the same mug you just got scared from? Alcoholics gonna do what they do. Apparently, so. <laughs> it's either that or she was afraid of the tea. I'm surprised she didn't make a gin and toxic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that she probably would have had a better, uh, better non-painful death. A sin and tonic. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> because it's a uh, death somehow made the mug crack. So it's just dripping. She drips on her damn computer, and the computer explodes. Shard going into her neck where she is slowly oh bleeding out because stupid her decided not to leave it in. She rips it right out. She makes a calculated risk by by trying to grab the the towel off the knife rack. So she can cover the wound, but... but and, and the calculation was, 
idiot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, calculator, is, the calculator came back stupid. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is uh, when something is embedded in you like that, you don't want to take it out because you're going to bleed more. Yep. That thing is now, whole, you're still going to bleed, but that thing is keeping your blood from pouring out. Yep. But instead, she just takes it out of her neck, and now she's... I mean, she she taught French, not anything <laughs> that would give her the knowledge to do that. Did she even teach French? She didn't even know it. That's why she sent the other teacher on the plane. Well, she was on the <laughs> payroll for something. I don't know. She was she taught cooking or something. I don't know. Either way, so then she tries to pull the rag, and the rag was on top of a, kni- a knife block where the chef knife falls right into her chest. Doesn't Wait kill her a right minute away. Now. Hold on. By the way. This was pretty bad. Okay. The the height of the knife rack, right? The knife dropped like a damn quick missile, like stabbing her. What if it had the velocity from that height to like stab her in the way that it did? It depends on how I, sharp the knife is. It came down like deep into her. I, I think it bounces off her stomach personally. <laughs> I, I think at most it nips her a little bit, but it came down as if like somebody from like 50 feet up had like thrown it with all their might. I mean, again, depending on how sharp it is, it could have just slid in like butter. It's, I mean, it's a kitchen knife. I get it, but... And most likely because it, it was had a, only falling and didn't have much force, it stopped at the bone, which is why she didn't die immediately. It had to go through a shirt also. I yeah. had to see how many layers of clothes she was wearing. I think she was wearing like two shirts. It had to stab through the two shirts, and then it looked like it went like deep into her damn it bones. It de- went deep enough so that way the knife just sat there. And then an I, explosion happens, and the chair just falls right on and kills her the rest of the way. What about Alex, as always, showing up way too late and putting his, his fingerprints over the murder weapon? <laughs> yeah, so... um, As he grabs a knife. How wow. many people do you think it... If I was in a horror movie and I know I didn't kill somebody, last thing I'm going to do is touch the knife that just killed somebody. He's showing up at every single murder scene, but he's showing up too late. He's not helpful. Billy's riding by on his bike. Uh, Sees him his running bike. out. Sees him running out of a, a burning house that explodes. Oh, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm stiffer, I'm like, he's the killer. So Alex runs because now, you know, the obviously the FBI is looking for him because now his damn footprints are in the blood. His knife, his handprints are on the knife. So now we just get a whole, what, like five minutes of these characters now looking for Alex. There's a weird thing where Claire, um, he's mad at Claire for not believing in him. But then also Claire knows where he's at and has clearly been in contact with him. Because she puts together the group to like, we have to go talk to Alex. Yep. And so there's a weird moment where, area. yeah, so she's able to find them. And so it seems like they've been in contact. She says, fuck death because uh, she doesn't like the design that happened to her family. And that's probably the worst part of her acting, in my opinion, was that scene. Her character goes through some changes too. Like she's very quiet at the beginning and very to herself. And now she's like, take charge and like putting together group meetings and well hell soon she becomes almost like an action hero at the end oh yeah she does let's get to this train moment because this is probably what i first saw it and what i heard in high school at least this is a lot of people's favorite moment was this train moment well it's, but i got some issues with it uh, so do i so first you get carter losing his damn mind because he found out he's next on death's design so he, he pretty much like i control my life yep, i'm never gonna die starts almost killing him but because you know, if he gets into an accident, it kills the others. Death is able to pretty much stop it. Which easily could have happened. Exactly. So He's running every red light possible. So you would think Death would just be like, okay, I can kill all four of them right fucking now. Yep. But instead, Death's like, no, I need to kill him first so because I got a design going. You see what happens when they're driving, though, right? Alex gets another premonition of the train. Oh, yeah. 
The I'm chain, just... the uh, ripped up uh, seatbelt. Listen, I, I, we can't trust enough. My takeaway from this movie is that anybody intelligent, given every single death, he's given a premonition at least five minutes before it happens. Right. He, he messed up with the bus, and now, again, yeah, the train, he, he doesn't mention, mention it. So instead, and they come on a train track. Yep, and Carter stops the car. So, and then, you know, I don't know about you. I'll just be like, hey, Carter, uh, you might want to get out. No. Okay, have a good dad. Have a good death. I'll just walk away at this point. I would say, hey, we tried. If you want to be suicidal, do your own but thing. But to be honest with you, this scene actually kind of annoys me because I feel like both Carter and Alex should have died in this scene. Well, this is why I wanted to bring it up. Okay, I love the director, right? This was not filmed correctly because he films in a way where they both should be dead. Right. They actually show the train coming at the car to hit it, and they show them still. So there's two things going on. He's locking the seatbelt, but he's also in the car. So he's trying to get him out the car. The train's right there. Now we're, we're to believe that the, the seatbelt breaks. It's still not enough time for no, him to get but, him out the car and then out of the car. They still have to dive off the track. Right. Because none the way, of that makes sense. The way the director went is the minute they got out of the car, and the next thing we know, the train just dive bombs into the car. It's like, well, movie's over. It wasn't put together right because logistically, there's too much having to happen for him to get out the car, and they show the train way too close. Right. They should have had the train a little bit further in the distance if you're going you're gonna to sell it that. He got him out the car and then on off the train track. Mm-hmm. And and you have to believe that for this to work, you have to believe that Alex has like superhuman strength. Apparently. Because he lifts his entire body out of the car and then and then also like jumps Die. with him mm-hmm. halfway. But they actually but if you if you I, I freeze framed it. The last second freeze frame is the train right there in front of them and car is still halfway in the car. <laughs> It just was filmed like they they died. Yeah, they should have. So and, and also, I'm not sure if I buy Alex risking in that moment, like basically dying because he pretty much he pretty much was like, "It's me and Carter or nothing." Right. The dude's been asshole the entire movie. You're not doing him any favors by both of you dying. Just means that you just skipped to Claire and and Billy then. So exactly. Well, technically, you know, because Carter saved Billy, goes on this tyrant. It's like. You're next, Carter. You stay away from me. And the train's still running over the damn car pieces. And one of those car pieces flies out and cuts Sean William Scott's head off. Yeah, he... Again... Billy has this, a very thankless role. Well, this, this tirade he does is kind of out of nowhere. He just gets up. He's like, you're next! You're next! And I'm not going with you! It's kind of like nothing in the movie. I guess it's supposed to be like um, his finally standing up to Carter. But Carter's like... Leave me alone, Billy. I don't need this. And he's like, I don't ever need it. So his his moment of standing up to the bully results in death. His head getting chopped off. Yeah. Cool scene though. Yeah. Could have been better. The thing about the deaths of the movie is like the deaths are very. But here's, they're so quick and out of nowhere. But here's the thing about it. That's the only death that damn um, Alex did not get a premonition for. Granted, I know it was almost instantaneous after saving Alex's uh, Carter's life. So Billy's death was probably just like it was. It was so the, the explanation is that so he intervened to save Carter. So so now the death has to improvise very quickly to get Billy. Right, because it skips for some reason when somebody who's meant to die is saved, or 
uh, it skips him and goes to the next person in line, which right. is Billy. Which then, which of course, you know, I'm I'm like I'm getting confused as we talk about it because it's really it's something that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And Alex just says, because I intervened and saved you, it went after Billy. It's like, so Alex can't seem to he gets premonitions five minutes before the deaths. Can't do anything with that. But he's coming up with all these uh, these Einstein theories that all prove to be correct. Now here's a question: what? Say what? say Alex didn't help Carter and Carter was able to get out himself. Would death still have skipped him after hitting the car and went straight for Billy's again? I don't know. So does it, because that's one question I got, does it have to be an intervening or can the person pretty much save themselves and it gets skipped? I have no idea. See, then there, there's, there's a lot of, que- there's a lot of questions. I mean, it's opening up, pan- there's opening up Pandora's box this movie because there's so many questions that don't have answers. Mm. You can theorize like crazy. I mean, who knows, but what I do know is that now we're getting towards the end of the movie. Right. Finally. And, and, and this is where I feel like the movie I've been super engaged so far and the movie starts to lose me a little bit towards the end. So I really hate this next scene of him death proofing this cabin. Oh, I'm, I'm first of all, death proof. Wait a but, minute. Did they explain where this cabin came from? This was like, yes. This, um, uh, Claire said it was her dad's old hunting cabin. Okay. Which, to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure her family would not have this cabin no more. I'm pretty sure the mom would have sold this cabin by now to get rid of any mention of her having a first husband because the way she described her mom in the previous scene, her mom did not want anything to do with her daughter or her dead husband. Right. So I would think they would have sold this cabin by now. But apparently not. So my question is, What's the plan, Alex? What, what, what's the long-term plan here? <laughs> so the long-term plan apparently is death-proof the house, and Alex just then sits around eating, almost gets sits killed. around eating applesauce. Yeah, and then almost gets killed. Where he goes, I didn't think of that. You're clever, but I'll be smarter. Yeah, I think death can probably outlast you in this cabin. And I bet death was probably just like, really, dude. It's like, yeah, let's see how you feel, dude. About, about, in about six days, let's see how you feel when your applesauce runs out and you have to go to the market to get some food. Right. Well, first, uh, that, that's when he finally looks back at his graph and goes, wait, if I never switched places with Becky, I would have been here. And that means Claire would have been next. I'm like, but the design was still for you to switch, which means you should still be next, technically. You should have been after Todd. <laughs> these revelations man i don't know it's kind or of like, actually because of where he would have sat he should have been before todd because he sat right next to him by the same damn plane part of the plane that would have started the explosion yeah but then if we have to sit through todd being the main character i can't i can't <laughs> i can't watch this movie man too much shitting if, if, he, if he's the if he's the main character trying to solve all this i i, I i'm He'd not be on the toilet the entire time's like oh, oh that's how I'm and gone. then a damn gremlin just shoves a spike up his ass while he's shitting. You want to have a you want to you want to give Carter premonitions or Stifler? I'm cool, <laughs> man, but it can't be Todd, man. I'm, I'm out. But anyway, so I do got a question. So now that Claire is pretty much our target, she gave up where Alex is to the FBI in a way in a part of maybe they can protect him. But the real question I got during the climax, you know the. Uh, Electrocution scene. Electrocution scene. The, the thing breaks and starts hitting the ground. Where the fuck did this dog come from? There's a dog there? Yes. Whose dog is that? I have no idea. She looks out her window, sees the uh, electrical cord just bouncing on the ground next to a dog. She goes, Bruce. And I'm like, never in this whole movie have we ever seen the dog. 
Well, you would have known because at some point you would have said, Doggo! And also, we've been at this house two or three times already. Hmm. How have we never seen this dog before? The dog is death. He's there a spy on the situation, and as a dog, he's able to. And I see guess what's you going just on. decided to name it Bruce? Yeah. And it's chained up? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Listen. I mean, I guess it's. Yeah, I guarantee you somebody watching this will go, well, they needed to get her out of the house somehow. It's like, Death doesn't need her to get out of shit. Death could have just dropped that damn house on her like the Wicked Witch of the East. So, of course, Alex comes and now decides he's going to have to sacrifice himself to save save poor Claire. Yep, so he does something uh, that, you know, potentially, I don't know if he thought of this, but he did something that could have killed him long enough to where when he gets brought back, he would not suffer any kind of brain damage. Hmm. Believe it or not, you can be resuscitated back from being electrocuted if you don't have too many volts going through your body. But that's what happens to him, right? So Exactly. So he just, so he touches the cord that's bouncing on the car. The gas, the car is like, um, it's not the gasoline that's pouring out. Was it carrot? I don't know. Something's going under the car. (laughs) There's fire under the car. So he goes, Okay, I'm going to grab this. You start running. So he does it. He gets thrown. By the way, I have an issue with this. So when you get electrocuted, when you grab a hold of something, I don't know if you know this, but when you grab a hold of something that's electrocuting, you don't get thrown. You literally clench tight and hold on to that object for a long period of time Mm. until you're pretty much fried. I watched a video of a guy committing suicide by touching... A damn, uh, I don't even know what those things are called. And this is the same thing I'm talking about. Power poles? Yes. uh, One of the power lines. Power lines. Guy gets on top of a train, grabs a power line, and he doesn't let go immediately because his whole body clenches from the electrocution and the shocks going through his body. Hmm. That he gets three different shocks going through him, and he is fried like a damn barbecue turkey. Hmm. So how does this not happen to frickin' Alex? Because it makes for more, it makes for, it makes for more fun visual to see him get thrown seventy five feet. I don't know. Listen, let's just. I get... have an issue with the entire climax of this movie. Well, this climax is 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 silly. I do like when they get to Paris. Of course, now the one big gap here, which six months later, which again I think both of us have issues with. Would they have really gotten on a plane six months later to Paris, especially with how? consistently paranoid Alex is about this. So here's the real question. Maybe is, cargo is, but I don't know about Alex getting on the Did plane. they actually get on a plane? They could have just taken a ferry. No, they showed them getting off a plane. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, so they, they cut from the electrocution thing to on the plane, Carter talking to to um, Claire. Mm. And then the... And then Alex shows up. The, the Alex showing up is the thing of like, oh, well, is he dead? Is he dead? Oh, there he is. Alex. Now they're in Paris. They took a, they took a plane. Right. So this is also where we get a revelation that just because you intervene and death skips you, it does not mean death does not come back for you. So the reason it's a six month period, in my opinion, is because obviously death has to go after more people. We can't just stick with just these three characters. So six months later, he's back. He's finished the loop. Now he's back to these he to main characters. He doesn't forget about you. He puts your name on a list and then exactly, comes back and to he you. just eventually comes back to you. In this case, it took him six months. So. The, the, to support the idea that Alex wouldn't get on the plane is that 
he still has a little piece of paper he pulls out where he's still doing his calculations, figuring out if this happened, this happened, but I didn't actually die. So he's still paranoid. So, so why, then, why would, if he feels that way, why would he get on a damn plane? Right. So now Alex pretty much realizes that. So death is never going to stop on us. All we can do is try to continue surviving, so that way we keep getting our time, keep getting more time added to our lives. But what I want to point out about the scene is that Claire gets a premonition. She sees a bus. Mm-hmm. Why well, I point this out is because somebody who's actually intelligent gets a premonition and immediately says, Alex, that's how you warn somebody immediately when you get the premonition. When Alex saw the damn bus, he was like, meh, bus. Right. Bus. He's all trained. Meh, train. Claire sees it and immediately, immediately quickly responds, Alex, saves him from getting hit by a bus. Well, technically Carter saved, well, yeah, he jumps no, the out of the bu- way and then Carter saves him from the sign. So now it gets to skip Alex and come back for Carter. Which is a perfect way to end the movie because, you know, Carter just had that coming. <laughs> I think I read the director actually, they had a different ending. And it was something where they felt like Carter needed some comeuppance, basically. But that, so they pretty much make it to where death now just comes back for them after a the, long while of going after others. Yeah, the climax of the electrocution I found to be weak. But I love this scene in Paris. <laughs> because to me, it's like, you're just left with like, holy shit. And it, it's just it's perfect. But the reason I believe Death then skipped him instead of coming back for him, because technically, yes, he didn't die. But it's probably because he did die for a time. So it skipped Claire and then went on to the next person on his list, leaving Claire and Carter for next. And then realize, and then when it comes back to them, he realizes that Alex is still there. It's like, motherfucker, you should be dead. <laughs> I think the whole thing was so confusing that even Death was like confused and literally was like, I'll figure this out later. And then he sat down, was looking at his books. He was like doing an audit of his like his thing. He's like, "Hold up, I thought he was dead." Right. And then he looked up. He was like, "Oh, they going to Paris?" <laughs> All right. I, I think Death was confused for six months. It was like didn't know what was going on. Death's in there with like a wait a minute. He skipped this person, and then he intervened, and then she did this, he did that. Even Death was like, "I, I don't know who to kill." <laughs> right. He went and killed. So anyway, that's the movie. Uh... I, I got a couple quick hitters though. When they go to see Tony Todd. They make a big deal about Todd was, there's marks on his neck from him grabbing the rope. Right. And they're like, well, he didn't kill himself then because he was grabbing the thing. But actually, even people kill themselves in that situation, their natural survival instinct still kicks in and they try to, a lot right. of times, stop it from happening, basically. So that, they made a big deal about that, but that's not logically how suicides work. This movie was released in 2000. If it had been released a year later after 9-11, I don't know if it even comes out. Probably not. Because first of all, you could not, after 9-11, especially immediately after 9-11, show a plane crash like that. Mm-mm. So I think they would have had to either redo the whole beginning or it would have been on the shelf for a couple years. But it got very lucky in the timing of it coming out. I know who's really responsible for the plane crash. Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. Think about that for a second. <laughs> He's going around causing all these disasters at the end of Unbreakable. Yeah, because Unbreakable came in the same year, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think who really messed up Death's plan was Mr. Glass. Damn it, Samuel L. Jackson. Another one blamed on Samuel Jackson. Um, all right, now we get to our overall thoughts. Well, you go ahead first. Again, your movie. All right, well, um, this movie is hard to judge because... Oh, I'm judging it. It's hard to judge only because <laughs> there's a lot of good and there's some bad for sure. So it's certainly not a perfect movie, certainly not without flaws. What I like about it, even though whoever created the story was definitely high as a kite, it's still, I mean, probably the concept of death being the killer. You get points for orig- originality. That's an interesting premise. The execution, uh, 
pretty good. I mean, it has a good director. Um, the death scenes are mostly well done. There's little minor things that could have been improved, but outside of being nitpicky about the deaths, the deaths are all pretty creative. They're better death scenes than most slasher films because it's not just like some unoriginal do with a knife or do with an axe. It's like they're pretty creative, well-drawn-out death scenes. I do like Devin Sawa. I do like Ali Larder. They're likable main characters. I hate Carter. But maybe that maybe that works because I hate Carter so much that that ending is so satisfying to me because he gets his comeuppance. He's been an asshole the entire movie and then finally gets his just due at the end. So maybe him being an asshole works in the movie's favor because the audience is super happy about the ending, I'm guessing. Miss Luna underdeveloped. Carter's girlfriend. I don't think she said more than two words in the whole movie. She said, you fuck can- you. You can all just drop dead. Hit by a bus. Love Tony Todd, but his two-minute scene to give the entire exposition and then never appear again in that movie is just, it's egregious. Movie's very entertaining. Loses me a little bit towards the end, the climax, the last 15, 20 minutes, especially the electrocution thing, loses me a little bit. I want to go two and a half stars, borderline three, but I'm thinking two and a half. I'm going to go with two and a half with the idea of like some little few tweaks would get to three stars. There's like a, there's like a three-star movie in this, but I actually think some of the sequels are better. So I'm going to go with two and a half stars. I think at least one of the sequels in my mind will end up getting three stars. But I'm going to give this two and a half because it is the OG. It's the original of the series. It's a new concept, so it's hard to pull off. They improved upon that with some sequels. But I'm going to go with 2.5. I like the premise. I like the setup. I like some of the characters. I guess I can agree with you. I don't like Carter. Terry. Nobody did, likes Carter. The only reason I know Terry's name is probably because I looked it up on IMDb. Carter mentions her like five times in the movie. <laughs> That's the only reason I know her. I like the death scenes. However, the acting could have been better, but what, what would you expect from a 2000 movie? How dare you? Devin Saw was a thespian of the highest deg- to the highest degree. Right? So at the end of this, uh, and then the climax of this movie was just, it, it could be, it, it was entertaining, but at the same time, it was just annoying because a lot of things was just put there just for plot placement. And we were never given certain things that probably should have been there just to make it seem more believable. So I'm going to give this movie a two out of five. Oh, no. Or out of four. How dare you besmirch the name of the good Final Destination? I, I was this. I can respect that. I think it's I think it's a very watchable movie. But I do think they improve upon the concept with the sequels. Except, oh, yeah. Except for part four. Um, <laughs> this is certainly not the So this is, to me, it's not the best of the series, but it's not the worst of the series. Until next time, stay away from your Final Destination.